Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual live stream for The Cure. Livestream for the Cure is a charity event where we raise money with content creators and podcast partners from around the world for the Cancer Research Institute, a wonderful nonprofit researching cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This is a mission and a future that I truly believe in. And myself and my team worked tirelessly over the past five years to raise over $50,000 for this cause. This year, we're aiming for our biggest single goal to date of $20,000, and we cannot do it without your help. Please join us for the event May 19th through the 21st, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern, for 45 hours of content from people all over the world. Together, we can bring hope for a future immune to cancer. The more eyes we reach, the more dollars we raise. Please help us in making this goal a reality. Together, we can make a difference. Art, comedy, pop culture, and much more. You're listening to ACPN. Okay, here we go. Okay, hey everybody, I'm James Hatton. Podcast Rob. And it's time for something in review. Something, something cast. Something in review. <laughs> they love us anyway. They don't care. They're just happy to see us. This is where we watch the thing and we talk about it. It's very simple to figure out. This episode is one that I've been looking forward to uh, when I saw the movie and Rob was like, you want to just review it? Yes, I do. Because this movie hits a, a weird spot and, I, and I've i been thoroughly intrigued to find out whether you like it. I have not asked if you guys are listening from the Patreon. Uh, you even heard the conversation. Where I was like, I can't wait to find out whether Rob liked or not this movie. Um, and it's because this movie is a is a genre breaker. It's like a weird ma- modern confusing genre cuz it's 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 not horror and it is funny but it's definitely not a uh, what do they call a comedy horror? There's a name for it. I just heard it yesterday and I can't remember it. Uh slash stick or something. Oh, I've never heard that term before but that's actually brilliant. Yeah, it's something yeah, similar. I always thought it was just called a comedy horror. Um, or a horror comedy. So I ask, uh, for those who have not read the title, um, we are discussing the brilliance that is Cocaine Bear. Oh, Baba. <laughs> it's so good. Is that from the movie, or is that just like you found an audio clip and of a bear no doing And now no one who hasn't seen the movie needs to see the movie. <laughs> It's 
Um, it's, it's because it is very, it's it's very on the nose. The, I think my description uh-huh. of this. Uh-huh. Ah, ah, end up it. <sighs> I think of my review of this movie. You, it really, I said something along the lines of like, if you're gonna call a movie Cocaine Bear, it better have two things in it. <laughs> a, a cocaine and a bear. Yep. And check and check. What did you think of Cocaine Bear, sir? So, what I really want to do now is I want to scour YouTube, and I want to find, like, the fucking pitch meeting episode they mm-hmm. did of this, and if they haven't done one, they need to, because um, I really want to know how this fucking movie got made. Like, well, it was, uh, it, it's an Elizabeth Banks movie. I know that Which blew my mind. I really found fucking weird. Um, uh, maybe you know, uh, being in the Power Rangers movie just kind of put her <laughs> over the deep end, and she was just like, "Fuck it, I don't care anymore." You know, um, one of her first big—I don't want to say big because it wasn't a big movie—but one of her first notable named movies where she had near top billing in the start of her career was a very similar movie. It's called Slither. It's her and oh, uh, Nathan Ka- Fillion, wasn't it? Yeah, with he Nathan was in that. Fillion. And, yep, and it's a it's a very similar like ish sort of thing. It's a very good movie. I, I enjoy Slither quite a bit. Um, so maybe that's just in her heart, you know, this weird sort of mashy journey. Um, but this is there is not bullshit. There at the beginning they tell you there uh, this is based on a true story and. Mm. Loosely. <laughs> based on actual events, which that, is you're right, you're right. different than based on a true story. It's true. That is true. But there are uh, beats of this story that happened, um, although everything about how and why and what are fictionalized. But yeah. Some, based but cocaine on, did end up in woods. <laughs> based on actual events is one step shy of based on a book by... Uh, because when I went and saw The Musketeer, if you remember that, it was, uh, I want to say John Moo, but it wasn't John Moo. It was, uh, uh, the same guy who did Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, um, uh, Ang, wasn't Ang Lee, was it? Might've been Ang Lee. Ang, Ang Lee did Hero. I'm going to I'm gonna have to I don't know. take a look now. We're, now we saw um, the assholes. Continue. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, it said, uh, hang on, I'm looking it up right now. Da, 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 da. Angley, yep. Um, okay. So it said based on a based on the story by you know Alexander Dumas, the the whole Three Musketeers thing. Yes. Um, when what based on a story really meant was based on the spine of a book I saw in my roommate's bookshelf in college that I passed on the way to the toilet. Like there was so the only thing it had in common was that it had the word musketeer somewhere in the movie. So based on actual events, yeah, there was there were woods, there was a bear, there was cocaine, and there was a place called the state of Georgia. I think <laughs> that is the entirety of the similarities uh of what actually happened. And there's actually currently a documentary on Peacock uh, called Cocaine Bear, The True Story. It's yes. it's actually the documentary of this is what really fucking happened. Can we address that uh, no matter what, 
uh, no matter how what percentage of this story is factual, we must remember we live in a world where Night of the Living Dead states the events portrayed in this film are all true. <laughs> so, you know. Fair. Just uh, wanted to put it, I mean, give it some comparison. <laughs> uh, Cocaine Bear has grossed more than $80 million at the box office. Surprisingly, it the budget was 30 to 35 million. Mm. Um, I'm guessing 15 of that was the cocaine. Yes. It's all white gold. Yeah. Now, this has a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 71% audience score. And a 6.0 on IMDb. I really am curious as to what fucking movie these people watched. So you did. Okay. So we are, so we are at the spot where you don't, you, you didn't enjoy the cocaine bear. It, I, I, I can't personally say I found it funny. I found it silly. Yes. I would agree. Which to me isn't necessarily always the same thing. All, all squares yeah. are all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. So, like, it was silly, but I don't know that I found it funny. I think I just found it absurdist. And I get—I mean, obviously that was partially what they were going for, but they were also going for—I mean, it wasn't gory. Um, well, and that's sort of where of the like, there are some. But gory, it, well, gory is a, is a wide range of what we can call gory. I mean, there is a lot of limb ripping, blood smears. There, there's. Yeah, but I, I don't consider that gory. gore. No, you're right. It's not. It's very, brutal. very lame gore. It's like, it may mean like maybe 70s gore, you know? It was, oh yes. my God, there was blood. And uh, apparently, the, the prop house. Uh, had a buy one get three free of severed legs because every time the bear attacks somebody and then it cuts away to people viewing it and screaming and then it cuts back you know there's a severed leg so you know apparently that's a thing yeah I would agree All right, so then yes I would agree with you that it is not gory it is bloody I don't even I mean I can't even say it's really bloody well so there were maybe two scenes, uh, you know, where the dude gets shot in the face. Um, oh, yes. Which, I mean, if you've ever played uh, Modern Warfare, it was totally that fucking dude's fault. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've team killed somebody by somebody lying on the ground in front of me, me standing above them, but behind them, just laying down a hail of fire. And for no reason, dude in front of me just stands up and puts his brain in the path of my bullet, uh, which is exactly what the fat kid did to that park ranger. Like she's literally holding the door, the, the gun at the door, tells him to open it. And then he oh. steps in the doorway, goes, that's a fucking. Yeah. I mean, he brought 25% that on himself. of his head. Gone. Yeah, he brought that on himself. <laughs> his head is now a crescent moon. Um, One quick uh, unrelated aside to, to this part of our conversation. I did find that uh, the week the movie came out on streaming, I saw um, out of nowhere this 
TikTok account that I had seen in the the past of this guy who works at Ikea, who has these sort of witty, snappy comebacks to things. Yeah, yeah, um, I've seen them. Right. You know, like, oh, you want to go somewhere else? Go there then. And it goes, Wah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's the EMT. So it explains why. Holy shit. Yeah. I, like, I'm looking at that guy wondering why he fucking looked familiar. Uh-huh. That is totally him. Yep. It's it's his only movie credit. So clearly the writer, hirer, caster, whomever. So I was like, let's get that guy in here because he doesn't have another credit to his name. Um, but I had seen him around. I'm like, why is why is this meme making a comeback? And then if I hadn't seen that, I would never have picked him out of a lineup. It was only because I was I had seen it on Facebook. I never so. would have realized it had you not fucking just said that. Yeah. Although he has an upcoming credit in a short film called uh, Nightmare. And he actually has another one uh, in a 2023 movie called Shortcomings. Yeah, I think it was a short. You know, this was his first big movie, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was something that I wanted to say before I forgot because I saw it on, it's his picture on the IMDb. That's so hilarious. I, but I would agree that this movie is not brilliant. I would agree that this movie is not uh, thought-provoking. Um, it, w- it will not change the way I live my life. But goddamn, did I enjoy it. Holy shit, uh, that was also Kerry Russell. <laughs> Dude, I didn't like. I paid zero attention to the credits on this at all, um, and I'm just now looking at the IMDb on it. But like again, like I'm looking at these people. Like, I know some some conscious part of my brain is oh, is really telling good. me that you've seen these people before, or these people are not unfamiliar to me. I should probably say it that way. Um, like, I'm pretty sure uh, the dude, yeah, who played Olaf. I've never seen uh, Game of Thrones, but I knew the minute that guy, I'm like, hey, that's the guy who was in Game of Thrones. I'm fairly certain. Right. Um, and then it's- I said, hey, that's a guy in a really bad Ray Liotta mask. Um, well, <laughs> he, I mean, you know. Yeah. It's his last film credit. so Which is tragic. If you go look at some of his other previous credits, Cocaine Bear is quite okay. Is it? I'll go IMDb it before we're out, but I did your announcement. Oh my God, that was Carrie Russell reminds me so specifically. There's an episode of uh, that's always sunny in Philadelphia and they're talking about movie twists. And uh, Charlie goes, yeah, yeah, it's like in, in that um, in that Shyamalan movie, Sixth Sense. That dude in the hairpiece, that was Bruce Willis the whole time. <laughs> it fucking floors me. Uh, I mean, uh, Cocaine Bear being Ray Liotta's last film credit is on equal footing as Raul Julia's final film credit being Street Fighter the movie. Well, that's, a, all right, that's problematic. Um... Any less go- problematic than Ray Liotta? Yes. Street really? Fighter the movie, comparatively to Cocaine Bear? Nah. Given, here's the deal. is because Cocaine Bear, you walk in and you know what, like, the writers knew what it was. The people making the movie knew what it was. They're not pretending that this is high art. It's a fucking bear, and he's on cocaine. <laughs> um, the Street Fighter movie... And maybe I'm, I, it's fresh in my mind because uh, one of the YouTube channels I watched did a full expose on it. 
like that movie is is such a travesty of like the the production company was happy with it at the end <laughs> and did so bad um now in street fighter the movie do you know who cocaine bear was jean-claude van damme well, he, yes. He was apparently high as a motherfucker that well, yeah. whole movie. And to be fair, uh, Ray Liotta still has four more movies coming out. So, wow. There's that. But if you look, I mean, from what I understand, now I do not follow Ray Liotta's career. I did not. I saw him in things and go, oh, that's Ray Liotta and move on about my life. Um, I do remember he had a big stint of like direct to cable things where he was, you know, not like Eric Roberts bad, but... Well, there was uh, Dear Dracula, there was Street Kings 2, uh, there was Hero Wanted, he was also in Wild Hogs. Yeah, let's... Uh, now we could list off a bunch of other movies that we could... Uh, I don't know to what be Syndrome fair, K is. To be fair, his most, his most recent direct-to-DVD was 2012. So, I mean, 10 years ago. Nobody buys DVDs anymore. I mean, that's it's, if it says direct to Paramount Plus, doesn't make 20, it any I better. I mean, twenty twelve was there was still kind of a still kind of a market for DVDs in twenty twelve. Ah, there was most certainly. Um, so cocaine bear. Yes. The uh, vague points of a true story is that there was cocaine that disappeared in a flight over somewhere. Point one, point two, years, years later, a bear was found with 15 pounds of fucking cocaine in his tum-tum. Dead. Everything else we go on from here is uh, a bunch of stoned friends sitting around the bong going, what if that bear really liked cocaine? (laughs) Oh my God. You would fucking love it. <laughs> what if he had cubs? <laughs> You're right. Wrong drug. So My bad. when did this this movie uh, this movie is supposed to take place in what eighty five? Yeah, eighties ish. Eighty five. Yeah, eighty five. Uh, drug smuggler. And so, first of all, like you know what kind of movie this is gonna be from the opening three-minute scene. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got this dude who's a drug smuggler. Apparently, he's the only one left on the plane because there's no pilot anymore. And he's doing, like, everybody's kung fu fighting dance moves while heaving duffel bags of cocaine out of a double-propped plane uh, just before he parachutes his way out. Uh, and as he's about to parachute his way out, he fucking does a, a stormtrooper from Star Wars and hits his forehead on the the door opening, knocks himself unconscious, and basically just falls out of the plane. To wit, uh, the police find a dead body in a driveway because the chute never opened. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprise, surprise. So that's Slut. how kind of the whole movie started. Takes place in 1985. I would like to point out that the internet was officially considered created January 1st, 1983. That being said, yeah. I uh, there was a certain suspension of disbelief that the daughter and her friend who played hooky from school 
uh, who, you know, uh, uh, for, for to me, for all in- intents and purposes, was a very young Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Um, <laughs> oh. That they knew enough about cocaine that, you know, oh, you test it by eating it. And just like the way he was sticking the fucking uh, pocket knife in there and lifting it out, I'm like, how the fuck does this kid know so much about cocaine? Like, I I get that they're in Georgia. It's probably very backwoods kind of Georgia. No, I see. But, like, mm. he was... He was unable to watch fucking YouTube videos or like no. Law and Order episodes where you see people like, you know, brushing their teeth with their finger full of cocaine and shit. Where did he figure this shit out? But I don't think he did. I think he was just bullshit. I think the whole bit there is he was bullshitting like, oh, I yes, I have done a cocaine. I I, I have eaten a cocaine before. Yes, I've done many gramules of. But how do you even cokey? know that? How would you look as a kid? How would you look at a package that's wrapped oh, like that's that a and just immediately make the jump that you eat it? I don't know. But hmm. If I was a kid and I saw a cube of white powder, would I rec- would I recognize it as edible? You know what? I and if you wouldn't. if you if you Although know it, it does uh, look like powdered donut. Anyway, if you if you make the fucking Da Vinci Codian leap enough that the girl that does, <laughs> where she just fucking picks up this you know brown craft paper wrapped package that just has the number ten on it and goes, "This is cocaine." Maybe they saw it if, on an episode of Chips. If you're making that much of a leap and you know what the word cocaine means and you know that cocaine is a drug, then why do you not also know? And his knee-jerk reaction is, I'm going to eat it. <laughs> eat so and much he of takes, it. he takes enough on that blade. Like, people who are doing the cinnamon challenge are going, oh, God, no. Please, like, kid, no. And I'm watching this telling myself, there is no fucking way they are even going to remotely portray that kid putting that pocket knife blade full of blow into his mouth. He is going to get it close, and the mother's going to come up behind him off camera and go, what are you doing cutting school? And the kid's going to go, bang! And like, And like fucking powdered donut sugar everywhere. Nope. They fucking full on face full of camera. And I'm just like, oh, this. So literally, I'm looking at my watch now going, dies in five, four, three. Like, I don't care that he didn't. He still had enough of it on his tongue. Like, oh, yeah. No, the kid should have been in the fucking. It was a bit much. It was a lot of coke. Um, Because. The most you get out of him is he's a little jittery for a little bit, and he does the... I mean... And he makes the comment, my throat is dripping. Yeah, <laughs> which is accurate from everything like, okay. I've ever heard. So, yeah, mm. people people apparently did their homework. Now, if the actor like understood any of the lines coming out of his mouth, then that's a whole other problem. Um, there's one thing I want to address about the kid, because he is probably my favorite character in the whole movie. Um, 
in the very beginning, when he first goes over to her house and there's talking, he shows her that for no reason he is wearing, and this is related to your Hacks of Jim Duggan thing, he's wearing like the WCW 10 pounds of gold around his waist. Yeah. Came in the mail today. <laughs> he, and my, th- my favorite thing is, and maybe there's a cutscene out there. But it's never mentioned again. It is not a nope. plot point. It is not. I legitimately thought it was going to stop a bullet. Like when we got to later in the film, I, I, I was. I thought like Ray Liotta would shoot and like hit the kid, and lo and behold, he was saved by Ric Flair inadvertently. Woo! <laughs> I was I was kind of thinking that was going to happen too. Like, there's a reason they're bringing this up. This is going to be some sort of you know no like no 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 Democlesia dagger nothing just also, hey we had an extra like we forgot <laughs> that we had cut the rest of it out of the movie and we left that part in because we forgot to cut that too right and you know what NWA gave us you know five thousand dollars might as well use the damn belt you know because but give them feels five thousand dollars would they give him the whole fucking that's fair <laughs> Billy Corgan fucking... yeah exactly um. Kick him the whole I, roster for $5,000. I did love that little, little bitty bit that there is kids out there. They're just like, hey, look, I'm wearing my w, my WCW world title and never mention it again. Don't even come up. He forgot he was wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> like legitimately. Um, so yeah, the movie I mean, is a bu- I, I, Go ahead. Yeah. So now I want to build on this. Like I want the fucking... I want the Snyder cut of this movie where we see a scene where the kids fucking, you know, hip deep in the, the bear's fucking throat looking like the, the fucking captain of the orca on Jaws. And to keep himself from being swallowed, the kid rips the belt off and kind of turns it sideways and jams it in the bear's mouth. So the turns bear it. can't close his jaw. Around, ah, ah, ah. Turns that bitch sideways exactly. and sticks it straight up, you cocaine ass. Exactly. That I would have found that funnier. Yeah. And then right. you had I mean, and then you had the other characters that were just right. like There's like three other plots that are sort of all happening simultaneously. Almost three other entirely different movies happening at the same time. They really are very drastically different roads we take to get to the center uh, of the cocaine bear Tootsie Pop. Um I oh. think so, I loved the gang. I, this is okay. So, like the yeah. guy who plays uh, Sid's son, oh, uh, yeah. Eddie. Uh, again, like I'm looking at him, like man, that guy looks fucking familiar. He Go ahead. played fucking Han Solo in Solo. <laughs> really? Yeah. No oh, shit. Same guy. No idea. Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah. Ehrenreich. Aaron. And. His subplot, I think, is probably the weakest in so much as his girl left him. Although the fact that his child is left with Ray Liotta and you never see the child again. It's just sort of like, what happened to my child? Kid drowned in the ball pit. (laughs) Um, I mean, they actually say, you know, when he's here, he's like, you didn't bring him here, did you? Right. But to the fact that, like, it's this big concern and like, whatever. Like, we don't care. Um. But there's a gang that roves the park. I don't remember their name, but it's something really funny, stupid. 
like the Des Moines or something. Um, <laughs> the Duchamps. Duchamps. That's what it was. And I, I, it doesn't make sense. It, it's This is the absurd part because they're a roving street gang of toughs who hold people up at the park. Like... <laughs> At knife point, I legitimately thought she was bullshitting that the park ranger, when telling you about the Duchamps, was just like saying shit like, ah, if you come out after midnight, Bloody Mary will get you. Cocaine bear lurks around the rock. The Duchamps are a roving gang. Banana, banana. But no, lo and behold, there's like three kids. I'm sorry. Your fucking sharks and jets music just fucking hit me as to what that was. Oh, my God. But lo and behold, there's three kids wearing like new wave clothes that look like I can't even understand what they were supposed to be. It's like it's like kids in 1985 were budget uh, cosplaying the kids from the future uh, in in Back to the Future when Marty goes into the future and like they had no idea what they were actually doing. No. Um, I'm gonna cover the, I'm gonna cover the frames of these sunglasses in tinfoil and I'm gonna wear two different colored sneakers. It was just like. I mean, it, it was the cocaine bear equivalent of the Mean Street Posse. <laughs> and yeah. Why they, are you wearing a life preserver? You think you're going to drown? Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, to, I'm sitting, I, I watched that whole scene where the dude gets attacked in the bathroom by them. Mm-hmm. Like with my face palmed, basically, because I'm watching the fucking leader of the Duchamps, uh, whose name I believe was Stash. Yeah, there's Stash because he had, and because he one. had a stash, and the other one was Vest because he was wearing <laughs> a bubble vest. Of um, and I'm watching him slowly twirl this fucking butterfly knife. Like two monkeys trying to fuck a football. He it was just like the most here's a thing, and it's it's almost like the first time he had seen one. Like, why does why did the handles fold around and cover the blade? How am I supposed to? But they told him, but you can only use it with one hand. So you figure it out. And then they just hit and action and turn the film. It was so fucking painful. I imagine that was the same face that the dude they were trying to attack had as he's watching this guy and they're just like like david is just like are you fucking serious right now right you three you're serious really oh okay and that's i think a perfect payoff you have a guy who is legitimately the tough of a of a drug runner um now is he the biggest drug runner in the world no No. is this the the biggest uh cocaine locale in all of new york uh no um but or wherever they are but the simple fact is, is that like the the Duchamp, a gang that has the balls to call themselves the Duchamps. I want to know and, where they got that name from. No, me too. And are are the young are the young hooligans that run roughshod over all the campers in this park, like come face to face with the guy who is a tough for a drug mule, and he he wipes the floor with them in such amusing fashion. Like every time they come. One at a time, like it's a bad kung fu flick, and he just gives each of them tilt a whirl slams. And finally, he pivots and he's just like, Ugh, I think fine. And he turns and you see the mirror shot of the knife in his shoulder, and he just, Ugh, like, 
And and the they funny thing is, him. I don't even think it was a very for me. It was a very uh, Highlander two kind of scene because when when Stash is twirling that fucking uh, butterfly knife in the beginning, it's got like this like to me it looked like it had this super dark blue metallic flake kind of handle, and then the knife that's sticking out of his back has this like bright robin eggs blue handle on it. I'm like they couldn't. Oh, I didn't even notice that. It doesn't even look like it's the same knife stuck in him. But it's almost like they were trying to recreate the fucking scene with the rock from the rundown when he (laughs) beats up the fucking college kids and he really doesn't want to. And it was just, uh, I mean, you selling my Stone Cold Stunner 20 years ago (laughs) was better than any fight scene in this entire fucking movie. Yeah, but I also think that this the, this movie was a very realistic depiction of what three 18-year-olds uh, who base their entire name system off of their one clothing apparel that they enjoy facing off against a drug heavy. Uh, that seems very accurate that the end result is all three of them knocked out in a urinal. Oh, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing that that is the correct end result. And I'm not disagreeing that their actions towards him were probably very accurate. Mm. But his actions in response were just as fucking terrible. Like just the, the, the whole choreography and the selling of his moves oh, were just absolute crap. Uh, so we also have the cop. Oh, um, the, the 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 dude the, who the detective. Yeah, who has the frou frou dog that he leaves with the chick to watch. <laughs> um, who has the worst motivations of the whole movie? Uh, why are you allowed to go do this? Isn't it outside your jurisdiction? And I don't even remember what he says that allows it, but it makes nonsense. <laughs> Yeah, like, no. I'm just allowed. Like, like I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. Oh, I'm gonna go stop this this big cocaine thing going down. I'm allowed. It's cool. Can you watch my dog? Yeah. Um. Which the the dog is, I think, just supposed to be sort of a cutesy side plot. He ordered, I guess, a, a foster dog, and it was supposed to be some sort of bloodhound, brutish man dog, and mm. he ended up with a fifi little mop with a bow. Um, whom you you recognize he really does truly love in the end. Yeah. The emotional tale of Cocaine Bear. But uh, I wanted his plot to be deeper. But I think that's what this movie is. Like, it really isn't a firm narrative of, like, a lot. It's a a dozen different micro-narratives around the legend of the Cocaine Bear. It's a pastiche. Of the, the cocaine bear's journey. And I'm okay with that. I'm trying to see if... Uh... So... <sighs> there were two funny scenes for me in the movie that I kind of was like, eh. And that was probably the entire energy behind both of those laughs. Okay. Um, uh, was when uh, David meets Eddie in the bar in the beginning to try to be, you know, Sid's like, you know, I want you to take my son. And he kind of goes in there 
And I mean, besides the fact that David sits down and he's clearly the only black guy in the bar in, you know, the middle of Georgia, um, that Eddie's first words are, they spelled her name wrong. It says John. And David kind of looks at him and Eddie goes, her name is fucking Joan. <laughs> and he's like, look, we can get it fixed. No, I got to wait a week for it to heal first. I got seven more days of John. And then when he's in the car <laughs> complaining about his girlfriend, he's calling his girlfriend John. John. Because of the time. I'm like, okay, so that's, 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 I mean, I applaud the continuity of let, where he's just going to keep calling her John because that's the tattoo on him. Um, and then when, when the cop ends up climbing on top of the gazebo and they have that whole fucking kind of weird Mexican stare down thing. Yes. And he shoots David and he shoots two of his fingers off. And he's like, you brought that on yourself. I shot my own fucking fingers. I told you not to move. And Stash goes, how did he take those two fingers off? <laughs> not even. They're not, they're not even next to each other. It was like the index finger and the ring finger got yep. shot off. How does that? I mean, unless you're playing guitar like the dude from Dire Straits, Mark Knopfler. How does that even happen? <laughs> Dire Straits fans will understand that. Yeah, good. But it's just like, I don't... It was so very weird. Yeah, and I think at the end, that's what I, that's what I took out of it. It was a silly movie, and I, I think my I walked in with... To be fair, I didn't walk into it knowing what kind of movie it was at all. I assumed, based on the name being Cocaine Bear, um, but I have watched a lot of bad horror movies with great titles that end up being shit art house horror that literally cocaine bear could have been a metaphor for the disparagement of the working class man living in a society that doesn't fucking, I hate art house horror. So I was not, I, when it was just a happy go lucky, silly B grade horror comedy that knew what it was and was happy to be it. I was thrilled. I was so happy. I got a movie with a cocaine bear, and that bear loved cocaine. So, uh, I mean, IMDb calls this a comedy thriller. Yeah, that's... Uh, and... Uh, Wikipedia calls it an American horror comedy film. Yeah, it's somewhere in the middle. <laughs> so, okay... Completely unrelated, but sort of related to our opening of this show. Mm. Uh, when you mouse over the link on Wikipedia that says horror comedy film, it says comedy horror, also known as horror comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Way to go, Wikipedia. Exactly. It's like some random guy on the internet wrote that. Uh, here's a fun fact. Cocaine Bear was intended to be a temporary working title. The producers decided to release it under the name as they, quote, couldn't think of anything else. I mean, what else were you going to call it? I know. I mean, it's, you it's a bear on cocaine. Who oh, bother? Um, I don't know. I, I don't think there's another name you could give it. It would have to be, which would be another white the, pun. The real cocaine bear, which has also been referred to as Pablo Escobar. Escobar. 
is on display in Lexington, Kentucky at the Kentucky for Kentucky Fun Mall. Did you say Kentucky for Kentucky? That's what it says right here on uh, IMDb. Kentucky for Kentucky Fun Mall. That's the redundancy. Unconfirmed rumors say it was previously owned by Waylon Jennings. Coming to you from the redundancy department of redundancy. Oh, that's hilarious. So I'm... Okay, so I have to read this quote from Elizabeth Banks. This was apparently okay. from an interview in Screen Rant on, in 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about her approach to the man versus nature theme in the film. All right, look. <laughs> you think you understand who the villain is in this movie, and then at a certain point we tip the scales, and you start to realize, oh, right, the bear didn't do anything wrong. The bear is innocent. It just wants more cocaine. I mean, it's been fed by the bad guys. To me, that was the theme in the movie that I wanted to explore. Man's hubris when it comes to nature. This idea that we feel we can take control of nature, we can control animals, we're top of the food chain, bop, bop, bop. And like, I know that nature's gonna win. We actually cannot compete. This earth, if it doesn't want us, will get rid of us. So we gotta watch out. Are you fucking see? Yeah, that I'm sure that was entirely the point that everybody got from this movie. Think it snaps. That was that was cool till daddy That was I mean, I'm sure if you ask M. Nai Shyamalan about the uh the happening, um, he'll say words. That doesn't mean we have to listen to them. Maybe now, from what I understand, Elizabeth Banks is a funny person. Maybe she understood thoroughly and deeply how silly that sounds. And she was just really like going for the, can I overly artsify the concept of a bear who does pounds of blow? So, <laughs> oh no. So, okay, here's another quote from Elizabeth Banks. Oh God. Uh, it was about uh, Christopher Olaf. Uh, who's the hiker? Who's the first victim? Well, he's not the first victim. His his fiance is the first victim. Oh, yes, he, Elsa he ends up and of, Olaf. Go yeah, ahead. and she mistakenly calls him Christopher, uh, which is the actor's name, not the character's name. And they just fuck it, left it in. Um, we show an amazing prosthetic of Olaf's ripped off face. That's the aftermath of an attack with the bear. We also filmed his death in gory detail, but I took it out. I felt by then that the point had been made of what's happening, and I wanted the audience to be on a little more of an emotional ride in the third act. She's really into the art that is Cocaine Bear. I mean, she's all in on the arc, uh, the, the, the narrative structure, Chekhov's blow that is <laughs> cocaine there. Story based on a book called Bluegrass Conspiracy. Uh, story of corruption, drugs, money, and one dead bear. It takes place in the late 70s, early 80s in Kentucky and involves several prominent members of powerful Kentucky families. It's a true but very fictionalized account of a small part of that story. I mean, look, I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum. I know there yeah. are people out there that found it hilarious. I also know th- that there are a number of people out there whose uh, take on it was, 
wow, you fucking people who like this movie really fucking overhyped this movie for what it was. I will say now. I will say that I have yet to in the in the uh, age of the internet found a movie that gets hyped like this sort of thing does that I am ultimately satisfied by. It's the reason it's like one of the reasons I don't go into movies knowing anything about them because I can walk out going, you know what? That was fun. I enjoyed that because rarely does the hype justify um, the, the, the thing. Ever. I mean, I didn't know a whole lot about this movie other than it was the story of, you know, a drug smuggler that lost cocaine in a forest and a bear got a hold of it. And this is the aftermath. Well, I I can speak to the fact that like the day, maybe the day before I watched it, um, I started to see the Facebook post. You have to see cocaine bear. You must see cocaine. There is one movie about a bear doing cocaine that you see this year. Let it be cocaine bear. Um, that it was very much the signal like, all right, I got to see it because I want to enjoy it before it's the world has spoiled it for me or made me sick of it. Thankfully, the buzz on this lasted very short, much like the aforementioned cocaine. It's a short buzz, from what, I, from what I understand. But what about you? Is there any other factoids about the cocaine bear we want to get into? Or do we want to ask the rest of the world what they think? I, I mean, let's let's ask them. Okay. I have nothing further to add to this movie. <laughs> that is, thank you. The jury rests. Guys, what did you think of Cocaine Bear? Was it uh, a five-star classic that will remain at the top of your list of films to watch forevermore? Was it a deep treatise on the themes of man versus nature versus 15 pounds of pure coca where rob can they tell us about all their favorite blow stories you can go to somethingcast.com the repository for all things something uh it has all of our links and buttons and widgets and doodads to all of our different social media accounts uh, our Facebook page, our shop.somethingcast.com, should you want vinyl from James Hatton, or t-shirts from us, or etched glass from Rob. Um, everything can be found over on somethingcast.com. Uh, now, before we continue even further, James, do you have anything personal that you would like to plug? Nothing comes to mind. Uh, okay. Okay, good. I, thought that no, was a pop no quiz. I have I had two things that I want to plug, so I wanted to Please, make sure if there was anything that you wanted to plug that's coming up. Any any wrestling shows you're emceeing that are that is for those people who are in the locals, uh, anything around there that you would like to plug? Nothing I got on in my brain, but if you go to UWAelite.com, you can see me doing all of the Gene Okerlin style uh, commentary for them. Very cool. Very cool. But uh, please. So uh if you go to Talesoftheforgotten.com. That is the website of the amazing and talented uh, Crystal Storm. Uh, I am part of an audio drama that the first episode is currently up and listed on called A Fairy Tale for Adults. Uh, I play Colin, uh, the husband who no longer really believes. uh, And him and his wife, Naya, are basically put on trial in the Fey Realm for being bad parents, for not teaching their kids about imagination and the ways of magic. Um, So you can definitely go and check that out. Uh, And also, this is going to be heard by our patrons on Mm, the 13th of May. 
that is correct. Yes. No. No. It's, it'll be like the eighth or something. Sixth. Yes, because Tuesday was a was the second. Yes, I'm like, why? I'm I'm suddenly fearing that we put our fucking game show episode up a week early, but no, that is incorrect. <coughs> Excuse me. Patrons are going to be hearing this on the 6th. Non-patrons are going to be hearing this on the 9th, which means by the time our Patreons are listening to this, it will be two weeks to the day uh, that we will have our segment on Livestream for the Cure 7. Yes. Livestream for the Cure 7 is May 18th to May 20th, 2 p.m. to midnight on the 18th, noon to midnight on the 19th and 20th. Uh, this is an amazing event that me and James look forward to joining every single year. It will be our fourth year on it, the seventh year of Livestream for the Cure. We are raising money for the Cancer Research Institute so they can do more uh, research and development into cancer immunotherapy, which is where they teach the body's own immune system to combat cancer cells, which is far less invasive and damaging than actual chemotherapy and other types of cancer treatment. Uh, in the previous six years, Livestream for the Cure has raised over $70,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Uh, every year, uh, they have blown away their goals. Last year, our goal was $20,000. We raised twenty-three. dollars This year, our goal is $25,000. Um, I am certain that with the community that they have gathered and the donations that people have given and the pre-donations that people have already made, uh, we are on our way to hitting and crashing that goal. Uh, we will be on at 2 p.m. Saturday the 20th, uh, but I encourage anybody listening to this, please go to livestreamforthecure.com. It has links to all of the different social medias that you can follow them on so you can stay abreast of all of the upcoming news and events and people who will be part of it. There is a huge number of amazing people and content creators and podcasters and musicians and storytellers who are going to be part of this event May 18th to May 20th. I cannot ever hype this enough, so you will be hearing a lot of this on our episodes and our shows coming up until then. Uh, Livestreamforthecure.com. Yes, 1,000%. I love it. I'm thrilled to be a part of it, and I'm looking forward to this one because I get to be the uh, the host of sort of our event on that one. Um, and I need, what I need to do, because you were mentioning Crystal's Imagination, what I need to do is uh, get a list of the episodes of the... the uh, audiobooks that she's done that I've been a part of because I've been sort of and other voices multiple times for her, and I never ever sort of go oh wait what episode's it going to be so I know how to hype it but uh like I know I'm a member of legacy uh episode like 15 I'm guy who dies mm -hmm. you <laughs> yeah. did a couple of voices for legacy I, didn't you I thought you yeah, did like two or three I, I did I did and I should get a, a list of which episodes I'm part of because I know I'm on the credits so. yep anyway brilliant with that said we hope you all enjoyed and um yeah Sorry. No, please never apologize for this. Rawr. Oh, bother. I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob. We'll see you guys next time. Later. Later. Something, 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 something. Okay, here we go.